Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. All right, welcome into another edition of Former Fizz. I'm your host, Jaron May, and on this interview series, I speak with previous Orange Fizz staff writers about SU Sports from when they were on the Hill. Today, another very special guest. He was at Syracuse just for three years, but had a lot of great seasons with those three years. Dave Van Mofert. Dave, thanks so much for being with me. It's a pleasure to come back on the Fizz. So, Dave, we're going to be talking about basketball. We're going to be talking about football uh, over the next 20 to 25 minutes and a lot to touch on. But let's start on the basketball side of things. You had a stretch of three amazing seasons. Uh, They made the tournament all three years. They made deep runs in all of them. So my question for you, and let's just lay it all out there, what was it like being a student and a student journalist during that great stretch for Syracuse basketball? It was the golden age of Syracuse basketball when you look back on it. And I was so spoiled as a <laughs> student being there. Um, I mean, the three years I was there, they were a number one seed in a tournament twice in 20, uh, the 2010 and 2012s years. And that middle year, my junior year, which we thought was a down year. They went 27 and eight. They were 12 and six in the big East and a three seed in the tournament. And people kind of forget that team. And if you look in the recent history of Syracuse basketball, that team would be easily the best team they put out on the court, you know, <laughs> since the 2014, 15 season, uh, Cuse basketballs had 13 or more losses that year. They had eight and people kind of forget about that team. Um, it was an amazing experience. When I first got there, um, Syracuse was not supposed to be a great team that year. Um, they, they lost Johnny Flynn and Aaron Devendorf. They were kind of supposed to be a rebuilding year. And Wesley Johnson was a guy who was kind of an unknown. Uh, he used to transfer from Iowa State, sat out of here. And everyone always talks about, oh, yeah, this transfer is going to come in and do big stuff. So you're always, always kind of skeptical. And Wesley Johnson turned out to be a superstar. And he was so fun to watch on both offensive defense. He had those like go-go gadget arms, um, you know, <laughs> on doing weak fight blocks in the zone, um, <laughs> grabbing rebounds. He was really special. And that first year, I remember they had a um, beat North Carolina in um, in the garden, and they play also played Cal, and that's kind of where everything started and took off for that team. And that that team, it, it was just a well put together team. They had everything. Um, I mean, Wes Johnson was a superstar. That adding rounds as a senior guard, kind of, you know, settling everything down, shooting big three-pointers. They had Scoop Jardine and Brandon Trish kind of rotating through the point guards. And what they had, which um, were two beasts down low and Rick Jackson and Orenziano Waku. And those guys were not your typical Syracuse forwards and center. You see now Syracuse now really recruits for length and in size, Rick Jackson and Anawaku had some beef on them. So this was a team that was able to get a lot of defensive rebounds, you know, control the glass, which has always been a problem. And they just went on a magical run. Um, that year, I think the best game throughout my whole time being a student was against Villanova. 
Um, that's when they packed the dome. It was over 34,000 people. And they beat Villanova that night. They destroyed them. And they wound up being the number one team in that nation because Kansas lost that night. One other team lost that night. I forget who. And they, they leapfrogged two teams, being the number one team in the nation. And that season was just was just magical and awesome. But I do think the best team that was there was the deepest team was my senior year, was the 2011-2012 team. Mm-hmm. That team legit had it all. They had um, Deion Waiters, who was a sophomore. He had a, uh, a shaky freshman year, sophomore year. He really took off. And it was just like a really deep team where – they had, um, I mean, Scoop was still there. Brandon Trish was there. CJ Fair merged as a sophomore. Chris Joseph was the leader of that team as a senior. And they had Thad Mello in the middle, who was just a game changer as a sophomore. He was seven foot, Big East Defensive Player of the Year. And that team had it all. And I really thought that was the best team, had the best shot of winning a title. But um, as you guys know, Thad Mello had got suspended for the tournament, and they lost in an Elite Eight to Ohio State. And I still think if Fab Mello was on that team, that team goes to the Final Four without question, and they're, they're going to probably play Kentucky with that Anthony Davis team in the finals. And um, I think it's anyone's game. Syracuse only they didn't lose a game with Fab Mello on the court that year. They lost a game at Notre Dame. Fab Mello had a suspension, and then they lost in the Big East tournament without Fab, and obviously against Ohio State. So... Um, it was a magical time, and we definitely took it for granted as students. We thought every single year after that it was going to be a, a great year. Well, uh, as a current student, I'm a little jealous that you got to experience that. Um, and a lot of great stories. And obviously, when you look back, you were on campus from 2009 to 2012, and that's the time frame that we're currently working with on this former Fizz episode But during that time, Syracuse wasn't in the ACC. Obviously, they were in the Big East. That was really the big conference, you could say, in the entire country that had all the great teams and a lot of bad blood in that conference. So as a student, what was it like watching Big East basketball and especially what were your thoughts knowing that it was about to end? Because once you graduated the next year, Syracuse switched over to the ACC. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Connecticut and actually grew up a UConn basketball fan. Okay. So I grew up watching Big East basketball since I can, I, I can remember. So I, I love Big East basketball. Um, let's just say this since I went to Syracuse, my allegiance switched. So I believe I learned, but <laughs> The Big East, I mean, every single game was a grind. You just look at the top. You had Pitt, who always seemed to have Syracuse's number, UConn, Villanova, and obviously Georgetown, who was our hated rival. Georgetown games were always amazing. And then if you just look at the depth of that conference, you had teams like Seton Hall, St. John's, even uh, Cincinnati. You had, you had a lot of teams, just like the depth of that conference, every single game was was a grind. Um, and, and they were – some of the best games, like, I, I remember, like, all those games were amazing. I forgot Louisville. They had every single game in the, in the Big East. You had to bring your A game to win. Um, and switching over is always sad for me because I always thought the, the Big East was magical with all those teams, the whole history of it. Um, and losing Syracuse is, was a real big blow to the Big East um, because they were one of the founding members. And it's just not it's not the same for me because we don't have those 
we have rivalries now where if we're trying to make rivalries with Duke and North Carolina, but they're not really – they don't think of us the same way we think of them. You know, Georgetown, UConn, Pittsburgh, Villanova, they don't like us, and we don't like them back. And I just don't feel like there's the same hatred. You know, I, I feel mm-hmm. like you know, North Carolina, they were just another team on the schedule. You know, for us, I still think Pitt is a great game. I mean, their basketball team has been down for a little bit, but um, – Going to play at the Oakland Zoo was never a hard game. They they still don't like us. Um, and, you know, with Boston College, it, they just never really have had a strong enough team since I started watching Syracuse basketball right. to mm-hmm. be considered a rival. I mean, back in the early 2000s, they had some strong teams. But, you know, since like the, you know, 2010 and on, they really haven't been competitive. So it's hard to have like that old rivalry with uh, – you know, Boston College, and, I mean, there, you have other old Big East teams like Miami and Virginia Tech, but those are more football schools anyways, you know. So, yeah. um, I know it's, it's kind of sad to see all those go. I understand why they did it, um, you know, money, football reasons, but it's, uh, it's sad to see those games, man. Th- those Big East basketball is a little bit different. It's, you know, they'll, uh, a lot more physical. They let people play, and it was arguably the best conference in America for – a lot of years, um, even the year before I got there, um, they had three number one seeds with Pittsburgh, Louisville, and Connecticut um, the year right before that. That would be the 2009 basketball tournament. So mm-hmm. um, it was one of the best, if not the best, con- uh, con- uh, you know, conferences in the country, and it was a lot of fun to watch. So there's a word that you said in there that I that kind of took the words right out of my mouth, and you said hatred. And the Big East had a lot of hatred in it. There was a lot of big rivalries, and I think there's one clear answer to this question, but I want to still ask you just to see if maybe you have a different um, opinion on this. But of all the Big East rivalries when it comes to Syracuse and not liking other teams, what other Big East team from the old Big East do you hate the most and are you most rivaled with, would you say? So the answer most Syracuse people say is Georgetown. And yep. Those games are amazing and great, and, they, and it was probably the best atmosphere. Just the way I grew up, though, I've never liked Villanova. I couldn't tell you why. And <laughs> like some of the best games we had when I was there was Villanova. I was um, – that game where we um, college it, that it was 2010 where we would have 34,000 plus in there. College game day came that 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 day, which was awesome. Um, so Phil Nova for me always had um, it was always a big game for me. I never I just screwed up never liking Phil Nova. Georgetown I, I I learned to like hate Georgetown, you know. But for me, everything <laughs> Phil Nova was just. They were always a really good team, too. They had Scotty Reynolds, and um, he, he was a really great point guard. They had a re- really good teams there. So um, I never liked playing Villanova. Still watching them win, you know, championships afterwards when we were in ACC still, you know, got to me as well. So um, okay. Nova and Georgetown, those are those are the two big ones, though. Okay. All right, Nova and Georgetown. Uh, I completely understand the Georgetown side of things, and Nova's also a pretty good choice. Um, but before we switch over to the basketball side of things, I have one, or football side of things, I have one last basketball question for you, and I've asked this on all of my guests so far on Former Fizz. 
Um, if you could create a starting five of players that played while just you were on campus for those three years from 2009 to 2012, who would be in that starting five and why? Um, well, number one, you got to go Wes Johnson at your three or four. He's going to be one of your wings. That's like, that's automatic. He was, he was amazing. He, he was one of the best. Um, for the guards, I, I would go with Deion Waiters. He was a game changer. He, um, he did, he did stuff. Not a lot of other basketball players could do mm-hmm. physically gifted built. He can create his own shot. And when he played defense, he was really good at it. Um, the next guard position is tough because I was there when Michael Carter Williams was there, but that team was so good that Michael Carter Williams never saw the floor when I was a senior. Um, so I would love to put him on there, but I'm going to go with Brandon Trish because he was always really consistent. Um, he's a really consistent guard, never turned the ball over, hit some big, big shots. So I'll go with Trish, Dion, Wes Johnson. I'll go with C.J. Fair. C.J. Fair was probably one of the most underrated basketball players when I was there, and even afterwards, like he was, he, he was great. Um, he can do everything. He you didn't have to run a play for C.J. Fair. He was, he just give him the ball, and then I would go Bad Mello in the middle. He was legit a game changer on defense and just a huge body. So you had Bad West Johnson and C.J. Fair down low, and Deion Waiters and Brandon Trish on top. That's gonna be a hard team to beat all right that is a very very hard team to beat and we got another starting five here on former fizz at the end of this interview series we will be putting out some polls on our twitter page so please watch out for that and go vote for them once they are up there but dave let's switch over to the football side of things and i know that you were also a very big football fan when it when you were a student on campus you also were a big you were big into the recruiting side of things. So my first question for you was, is what were some of the big name recruits Syracuse football brought in while you were a student at SU? Well, the ones that I remember um, as, as like recruits coming in, them getting Wayne Morgan was a, uh, at the time was a huge, um, a huge like, like big fish they brought in. He was a New York guy. I mm-hmm. believe he's from Brooklyn or the Bronx. You have to double check that. But uh, he uh, he was a huge like four star recruit where Syracuse wasn't getting a lot of these big name guys. So bringing in Wayne Morgan was huge. Um, I, I remember Richie Desir, Syracuse bringing him in. He was supposed to be like a superstar coming out of. Um, Coming out of high school, um, Julian Wiggum was another guy from Florida. Um, could do it all. Big, big recruit that they brought in. And um, I still remember one, I, I, um, George Moore, I always thought was going to be a really good running back. He was a uh, <clears throat> big recruit out of Georgia. So those are the guys, me personally, talking to those guys mm-hmm. were the ones I remember the fondest. They didn't end up being the best players at Syracuse. That's what happens a lot of times with the recruiting, too. Some of the guys that are highly ranked are not always guys that are going to be the best football players actually in the future. So you see that a lot, a lot. You, you can even look at JJ Watt, for example, like not highly recruited at all. And he ends up being a stud at Wisconsin and one of the best defensive ends in, in football. So um, those are the, the 
the biggest ones for me. I, I might be missing a couple, but those are the ones that stick, uh, stick out the most. Okay, so those are recruits, and like you said, sometimes recruits don't pan out. But let's now switch gears and talk about the people that did pan out. Who were some of the standout players at Syracuse that actually made a name for themselves while donning orange? Who were some of those guys that you remember as like the star players while you were at SU from 2009 to 2012? Man, uh, number one it has to be Chandler Jones. He's a uh, number uh, first round pick. I, obviously, that bears weight. He he legit took over games. Um, and my senior year, West Virginia came to the dome, and he legit took over the game. He couldn't he couldn't be stopped. <laughs> I think that game was actually the game that you know kind of springboarded him to a first round pick. Um, he. He, he was always making plays, and if he wasn't making plays, it's because he was getting doubled or triple teamed <laughs> because he was legit the, the best defensive player on the field for, for Syracuse. Believe it or not, his brother, Arthur Jones, who's a couple years older, also an NFL draft pick, a monster defensive tackle. Uh, he kind of gets overshadowed because of his brother, but I remember at the time watching him as, as a sophomore, I thought he was the best defensive player on, on our team, so... Arthur Jones, uh, also a really good football player, clogging up the middle. On the offensive side, Ryan Nassib um, is one of the best Syracuse quarterbacks in history. He holds a lot of records at Syracuse for most Mm -hmm. passing yards, most completions, second most touchdown passes. I mean, he did it all, um, and he got drafted as well in the fourth round. Um, And Syracuse always had good running backs. And DeLon Carter is the one that sticks out for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of a recruit, DeLon Carter was Mr. Ohio of football. And getting a guy like that from Ohio to go to Syracuse, um, he, he was a really bruiser running back. He got drafted in the fourth round as, as well. Um, it's kind of funny when you look at Syracuse football by draftees and NFL draft. When I was there, we had a lot of guys get drafted. Arthur Jones, Mike Williams, Dougie Hogue. Andrew Tiller, Shamarco Thomas, yeah, um, as, I, as I said, DeLon Carter, Ryan Nassib. I mean, the list goes on and on. Even after I graduated, Justin Pugh was a first-round pick. So Syracuse always had some talent there. And if you look recently, they probably had better records um, being in ACC with Dino Babers. But the amount of guys that got drafted when I was there was actually kind of surprising looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of talent on those teams might not have worked. I mean, the the records are pretty similar from now to back from when you were on campus from 2009 to 2012, uh, but a lot of talent, and with that talent, they made it to two pinstripe bowls, your sophomore year and your senior year. So what was the feeling on campus going into those games? Were the students and the student journalists uh, confident in the team? Were they a little worried? And how was the experience of covering a, a bowl game? Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure my so, um, so I just want to want to backtrack. My sophomore year, that they did not make the bowl game. That was like the Greg Paulus year in experiment experiment. Okay. That was like the 2009, 2010. Um, then my junior year, that was the year afterwards. That's when they made the get him against Kansas state in a defense strike bowl. And it was just, uh, it was pretty cool because it was a local game for a lot of people. Um, it was, you know, against Kansas state, they, they obviously played in Yankee stadium being a pinstripe game. And it has been a while since Syracuse made a bowl game. So it was, it was exciting to see, 
see them, you know, in postseason play for, um, you know, in bowl action. So it, it was definitely exciting, and it was, it was a, you know, a great game. There's a lot of people that didn't even like football and just being over, you know, winter break, wanted something to do with Syracuse sports and ended up going to the pinstripe with a lot of the local people. So I remember that Kansas State game being one that was a lot of people were excited about. And that season in general, they uh, they had a big win down in West Virginia when West Virginia was a top 20, top 25 team as well. So I think people got excited to see them actually start winning games that they weren't supposed to win in big games. So that, um, that, that pitch strike bowl against uh, Kansas state was, was really big. And then I, I think it was two years later to put in a pitch bowl again against West Virginia yep. as well. That was after I graduated. Um, but it, um, once again, it's like being, having that local team play there. It, um, Syracuse always has, people that want to come out and watch the Syracuse football team. There's a lot of great tradition there uh, from, from those games. And even after I graduated, Syracuse played at MetLife Stadium against USC, Notre Dame, and um, Penn State. So um, there's a lot of people that love to go see them in the local area. So there's always a lot of excitement. So a lot of excitement right there. And there's something that while you were at Syracuse, not a lot of students actually get to experience, and that's a head coach that stays there for your entire time as a student. And again, from 2009 to 2012, you had Doug Marone all three years while you were at Syracuse, which there's just been so much of a switchover on the coaching carousel of Syracuse football in the past couple years. So you got to experience Doug Marone all three years, and during those years, he kept saying Syracuse was his dream job. But then after you graduate, he he goes one more season and he leaves the program. So my first question for you was, is how was he as a coach in, in your experience when you were covering games for the Fizz? And then number two, when he left that year after that you graduated, what were your opinions on why he left? Um. Well, Doug Marone was always a very well-respected coach and he definitely got the most out of his players. Um, and I think everyone knew Doug Marone was the boss at that team. Everyone respected Doug Marone and he had a great coaching staff around him too. Even looking back at it, he had Tyrone Wheatley as a running backs coach. Um, yeah, he followed Doug Marone all, like, all the way to Jacksonville. Um, he also had Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator and part of that coaching staff. Um, as well and Nathaniel Hackett as you know now is the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator so it wasn't just Doug Marone there was a lot of good coaches that were on that Syracuse staff and they they got the most out of their players the defense was always very good and if you you know know the way Doug Marone coaches in NFL with the Bills and Jaguars they always ran the ball um Jerome Smith Delon Carter um they always they always were focused on running the ball and it was kind of the old school mentality. And, um, and we, we all wanted Doug Marone to stay at Syracuse for forever. You know, um, as he said, it was his dream job, but him leaving for the NFL, Hey, there's only 32 head coaching position. Hmm. If you want to get one of those, I'll go for it. You know what I mean? So, um, I I don't blame him at all. You know, being an NFL is the, can be like the highest, you know, coaching you can do in, in the, the game of football so um and he brought a lot of those guys along with him um uh, so 
I, I don't blame him at all. It was a great times. He kind of helped Syracuse get out of that dark ages of the Greg Robinson era, as people called it, you know, <laughs> afterwards. So I have nothing but respect for Doug Marone. And um, just looking back at those coach, those coaches he had, too, like Tony Wheatley, I, I still remember because I watched him growing up running the ball for the Raiders. Great interview, great guys to be around. And, um, yeah, that was definitely – he helped, I think, turn Syracuse back into a – respectable program and now with um, Dino Babers uh, you know a couple of coaches afterwards I think uh, the program is going up and up it, it seems like they are and we're all hoping for that but that's going to do it for another edition of Former Fizz Dave thanks so much for joining me always a pleasure thank you Alright, that was Dave Van Muffert uh, on another edition of Former Fizz. If you want to listen to any of our previous or future episodes, search Orange Fizz on SoundCloud or by going to orangefizz.net. But that's going to do it for this episode. I'm Jaron May signing off. We'll see you next time.